This episode of the Chapter Next podcast is being brought to you by our title sponsor, Pump 5 Fuel Delivery Service, recorded and produced by our friends at Podcast Town. Pump 5 delivers quality car service directly to our members' cars. Do you hate going to the gas station? Our specially trained service providers will bring the gas directly to your car. Do you have no time to have your car detailed? Do you need tire services? Our members use our app to have our service providers bring their skills directly to their cars wherever their car is parked. So how does your morning look? Do you have to take the kids to school? Do you have to get up at ungodly hours to go to work? Are you desperately missing those last 20 minutes of sleep because you know you told yourself the night before that you had to go to the gas station? Well, our members enjoy a life where they can just get up, walk outside, get into their freshly cleaned, full tank cars, and go about their day. We want you to be able to enjoy that too. So be sure to check our website at www.pump5, that's P-U-M-P-F-I-V-E dot com. Listen, ain't that what we do with everything? We'll take something and it'll be so basic. And by the time we finish wrapping that thing up with this black girl magic and sprinkling our little special brown sugar on it, it'll be something totally different. It'll be like, where did this come from? And I didn't know I loved it. Yes, honey. Take a little bit more of it. Welcome to the Chapter Next podcast. I am Talithia Thompson. I'm a mom, a grandma, a serial entrepreneur. And right now I'm just doing my best to make this next chapter of my life the best chapter of my life on purpose. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Chapter Next podcast. My name is Talithia, and I'm the host today, and I would like to take this moment to introduce everybody to Deshaun Russell. She's going by Sean, and honestly, I'm so excited to be able to introduce all of us to a woman who has, she had a whole career that she went to school for and prepared for and was looking forward to probably for the rest of her life. And then eventually it got to the point where that was just not what she wanted to do anymore. And so she did a pretty significant pivot, and I will tell you that has worked out for her significantly. Sean is the owner of Southern Elegance Candle Company. She's a married mom. Like I said, before she started her entrepreneurship journey, she was a teacher, a teacher coach, an administrator, and she had been doing it for 22 years. So for all of you sitting there thinking about the fact that you have been doing whatever it is that you've been doing for all this time and it's way too long, and there's no way for you to be able to start all over again. I'm here to tell you that that is not the truth. That is simply not the truth. You are mistaken. It can be done and it can be done fabulously. And you'll be able to hear today from somebody who was able to do that successfully. Sean, before we get started, is there anything you want to say to everybody? Just that I'm not married anymore. Oh, that's important. <laughs> we can work that well, out. We can talk about that a little bit later too. Neither am yeah. I. Freshly divorced. I want to hear a little bit about the time in your life when you got to the point where you wanted to change. Okay, so you were still working as a teacher and where your life was at that time and what led to you decided to do something different and what you did about it. Okay, so I'm going to back it up just a little bit. Sure. Before I got to that point, I was 40. I was working as an administrator and I got pregnant and I didn't think I could have kids. So I got pregnant and then I got deathly, deathly ill. We had to have conversations like, save me, save the baby, save the baby, and then save me. Like, we were having those kind of conversations. And so after my son was born, it kind of made me really look at my life and say, okay, now I brought this kid into the world. And so this is my legacy to the world. Like, what kind of person do I want to leave the world? Like, what kind of person do I want him to be? 
And what kind of person do I want to be? Like, what is the legacy that I'm going to live? Because when you are really, really sick, it kind of makes you reevaluate all of your choices. So I was on the hamster wheel of education, wanted to be a superintendent of the schools and all of that stuff or a professor. I was working on my doctorate um, in ed leadership at the time. And I got sick and had to quit all of that when I got pregnant. And so I was sitting at home. I was bored out of my mind because I'm type A personality and a go-getter. And I took a job at the school up the street from my house because they had a daycare like a mile away. So I was like, oh, I'll take this little job. It'll get me out of the house. And I can kind of figure out what I'm going to do the rest of my life now that I got this kid at 40. And so I was doing that. And the principal there wanted me to take on more leadership roles. And I wasn't in the mindset to do it because I didn't want to do that anymore. And so she voluntold me that I was going to be the grade level chair. And so um, I felt like teaching was such a thankless job that I started making stuff for the teachers and making stuff for my son. And I just learned how to make stuff. So body butter, sugar scrubs, the whole thing that you see people doing. And everybody was like, oh, this stuff is great. They love the soaps and the sugar scrubs, but they like really, really love the camp. And so I kept going and I was doing this little teaching thing. And just one day we got a new principal and like, I just, I hate working for her. And I just walked in one day and I told my coworkers, I was like, you know, I think I'm sick of this. Like, I'm going to quit. And nobody believed it because at that time, it was 22 years in. I was thinking about going back, finishing up my doctorate. And and nobody believed it because they were like, what are you going to do? This is all you know. And one day I asked the principal a question and she had such a, her response to me had me like having visions of kicking over desks and ripping off bulletin wall, like cussing her out. Like I was just at that point and I was like, Lord, it's time for me to just go ahead and put in my resignation. Cause if I come back in this building one more day, I'm going to be all over the internet on how not to quit your job. So I said, you know what? You'll have my resignation in the morning. About time the next morning rolled around. I had already emailed the resignation to the superintendent or associate superintendent, anybody else that needed to know that I was quitting because I was really good at my job. And so that was it. And then people were like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'll make candles before I come back up in here, which was kind of a flip kind of remark. But I went home and I told my ex-husband, I was like, listen, I ain't doing this no more. And so he was kind of like, you don't know anything about running a business. And he was right. I have no idea about any of it. And I was like, you know what? I'll figure it out. I was 45 at that time. My son was in school, so we didn't have that daycare bill. I'm hovering over to us anymore. And I was like, you know what? I'll just figure it out. Like, if I can learn calculus, because I was a math teacher, I was like, if I could learn calculus, I can pretty much learn whatever it is that I need to do. But I'm putting all my chips on me. I got 40 good years of living left. Um, that'll take me to 85. Most of my family lived about 90. And so <laughs> I'm like, I'm halfway there. I'm yeah. not going to spend the rest of my life like slaving for people that I'm walking in. And I hate these people. I hate their energy. I hate being around them. And people always go, oh, hate is such a strong word. Hate is what I felt. Like, I don't believe in policing people's emotions. I walked in that building and I hated those people. I hated that job. I hated being there. And it was a drain on my mental health. And I just, and I was like, I'll just figure it out. And that's what I did. So I don't know. I think that too many times we get stuck in places and because we cannot on the other side of whatever it is that we're doing, we just stay in that space. 
and we never move out of it. And we spend our entire lives miserable for no good reason. Ooh, that's exactly it. And you know what? The only people that will understand what you meant when you said I was done are other people that understand what it meant when you said I was done. Like you said, your coworkers were like, I don't know, what else are you going to do? But you knew you were finished. And that's interesting. So good for you for stepping on it. But I am not surprised because I am exactly the same way. It's like folks that know when you're done and folks that know you understand exactly what's about to happen. So a way to take that step and like advocate for yourself in your life. So when exactly did you know something had to change? Like, was that the moment or was it something before then? Or like at what point were you like, Mm-mm, something's got to change. This ain't enough. It was a slow roll because I looked around one day and every job that I ever had, there was always at least one person I could look around and say, oh, that's what I want to do. Or I want to be like her or something about it. I, I could see levels. And then when I got into a position where I was like, there are no levels here. And it started when I was an administrator. I was like, I don't want to go any higher than this because I hate doing this. So if I hate doing this, doing more of this, like I yeah. can't do this no more. And so when I got pregnant and I got sick, it gave me a really good excuse to just quit doing that. And so then when I took the other job back in the classroom, it was a step down, but not really. It just gave me a moment to think. And that's what I was just trying to do, just buy some time and think. And then I looked around again and I was like, nobody in this building do I want to be like. Nobody in this building inspires me. Nobody in this county has a job that I can look to and say, I want that job. Most of the jobs I was like, mm, I've been close to that and I don't like it. And so that point was like, I am in a career. I hate all of the up level jobs. I've done all of the down level jobs. <laughs> yep. Am I going to stay here? Am I just going to try to play the game and wait to be chosen, which is basically what most people do that work for somebody else. You play the game, you jump through the hoops, and as a Black woman, you can be the smartest person in the room, the hardest worker, number one, the absolute epitome of what they are asking for, and you will get looked over. So I got tired of playing that game. And so I was like, I'm just going to bet on me and let the chips fall where they may. So then fast forward from that point to okay, I got an idea. I can do something. I figured out what I can do. So how did that look, that process? I quit my job and I did it. <laughs> I'm not even trying to be funny. Like, I know that sounds flip, but so many times we, okay, a little bit more. Right. I remember one night I was praying and uh, meditating, whatever you want to call it. And I was just, like, just taking a moment to be quiet and sit and think. And I heard a voice say, everything you need, I will send to you. Ooh. And I thought it was my husband. I woke him up. I was like, did you say something? He was like, no. And I was like, I heard the voice of God. And he said, everything you need, I will send to you. And so I just started doing, just doing. And I never know what the next step is going to be. I never know how we're going to achieve it. I never know how we're going to get to the next level. And we always get to the next level because I am doing the work. And so when you do the work, you understand that you deserve whatever comes to you as a result of doing the work. If you're sitting around thinking about something and not doing the work, that's what so many people do. They have an idea, but then they don't want to do the work. Right. And so the internet, I always talk about this because you think people are overnight success. This is my sixth year of business. The first three years, we operated in the negative. The fourth year, we broke even. The fifth year, we finally had a profit and I paid myself a real salary. This is our sixth year in business. So... It's still quick in terms of building a business from scratch and self-financing it. So it still is kind of quick, 
And the amount of press that we get and the notoriety that we have as a company is a little unusual, but I did the work. So when we get the press and we get the opportunity, I'm not sitting around like, oh, I'm like, no, I deserve this. I worked hard for this. Mm -hmm. I earned this. Do the work. So I just did it. I literally just did it. Now I'm going to say this. Don't quit your day job and just do something. (laughs) Right. I worked for several years teaching while I sold candles on the weekend. And then it got to a point where I had to make a decision. Am I going to split my time or am I going to take all of my energy and focus it on this business? At the time, I was still married. So my ex-husband was still, we had to considerably downsize, but the bill still got paid while I was able to build the company and have that negative. I drained all of my retirement, all of my savings, and all of my investments I invested into this business. But I had that kind of dedication and I had that kind of belief. And I didn't have to do anything ever with the company. So all chips were in. And then that pressure that I knew that I had to succeed made me do things, learn things and try and just take risks. And so I think the main thing is that you got to do something. Too many people just talk about it. Do it. Do the work. And then decide if you want to continue to do the work. And this is hard work. I don't encourage anybody to do this. I want to be clear about that part too. There is nothing wrong with working for the man. There are plenty of days I wish (laughs) that I woke up and somebody else signed my check. Right. My name, I work for the company. Mm -hmm. I signed my own check. Right. I wish somebody else had this pressure to figure out how the company is going to grow. It's on me. Something about a guaranteed check. Yeah. I don't recommend it. I tell everybody it's the hardest thing you're going to ever do. But if you are successful, we live in a capitalistic society, and you have the ability to be as rich as you right. want to be, however hard Which you're going to work. Right. But you're going to pay for it. You really are. So then you quit your job, say, on Tuesday, and then Wednesday you started making candles. Like, just the next day. You was like, this is it? Well, I was already making candles okay. and selling them on the weekend. Okay. But when I quit my job, the last day of school, I was like, I'm just not ever coming back. I had the summer, and I started taking classes. Because okay. literally, I did not know a person could own a business. That's how naive I was. I did not understand the concept that I knew like people could open a barbershop. Okay. I knew black people that own hair salons. But I did not and had not seen any black person own a whole corporation. Okay. Like okay. a huge company. Sure. The people that you hear about are the usual black history month people. Right. Right. That have like the BT but you never seen anybody like start it from scratch and have like, I don't know. I just didn't know. I was very naive. And then I got on the internet and then I saw a lot of other black women that had started businesses and were using social media to grow these companies to multi-million dollar companies. And so I was like, oh, okay. How did they do it? Now? Right, exactly. And very few people showed the behind the scenes of how they did it. There were a couple that I followed. And I watched their progression. I watched how they grew. And I watched how much work they put in. And I watched what they did. But that was really the first time, literally. And I realized that from scratch and build a whole company. And it wasn't just like some fantasy, Carol's daughter type deal. Because that's usually one that everybody always go back to, Carol's daughter. And even that was like in New York. So... For me, being in the South and a little Southern girl that's growing up on a dirt road, I didn't feel like that was reasonable for me because where am I going to meet a celebrity? Like, we don't even barely have a celebrities in North Carolina. 
So it was like, I just didn't know. I literally did not know that this was possible. But did you feel any inspiration from knowing that, okay, she did it so it can be done. So let me go on and get busy working this out for myself. Like, how did you kind of go from, I don't know if I can do this to, well, I better get busy making it happen. Like, what was the shift in your mindset? I'm going to say this. No, I didn't feel like seeing Carol's daughter do it inspired me at all. I'm going to tell you the people that inspired me. I mean, because that was Absolutely. such a, a stretch because she had, like, celebrities that came in and invested in her company. Like, she talks about this freely about how she lost her because she took on investors. So I knew, won't nobody coming to save me. Right. So right. the thought that somehow or another somebody was going to see me and want to just give me money never even occurred to me. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to have to figure this out differently. Okay. Kaleidoscope Hair Products, The Real BB Judy, and Superset. Those were the two people that I watched literally on social media grow a company. Those were the two people that gave me the inspiration to say, you know what? If they can do it down in Louisiana, I can do it in North Carolina. Absolutely. Now, their markets were different because they targeted Black women. And I have a product that targets people in general. So I wasn't targeting in particular Black people, which presented its own challenge because I created a company. And initially, I had to make sure that the product stood on its own because I just wanted to be known as a candle company and not a black candle company. It was Southern. That was my thing. So initially, I wasn't in the forefront of what was happening. I built the brand and the reputation on just the product. I didn't step out into the front until a couple of years later because, I mean, it is America and kind of racist still. It is. It is. But yeah, those were the two that really gave me the inspiration to say, oh, this can be done for real, for real. Like million dollar level for real, not just pay the bills and I'm not broke, but Bentley real. Right. So then when did you catch on that you were really on to something? Like you got traction, like this whole business thing is happening. Like, <laughs> look at this. Like, yeah, my stuff is great. Let's just go to throw it out there. My tables are great. Absolutely. <laughs> the packaging is beautiful. It really is. And people, when I would sell stuff, people would come up to me and say, oh, who helped you with this? Or where'd you get this? Or tell me again, like, you, yeah. That's when I was like, oh. It's good. Okay. The folks is questioning if you made it this yourself. <laughs> they thinking I'm ordering it from right. somebody right. and reselling it. When, no, this is mine from the beginning. And I was like, oh, so we are on that level. Now all I need is exposure. Right. I just need to get exposure. I need to keep doing it. I need to get better. I need to refine the process, learn a little bit more. But from almost immediately, mm-hmm. I knew that I was on to something. It was just a matter of time. I just had to do the work. I just had to do the work. Good for you. You are. I mean, even just looking at your website and your branding, they are seamless. And the whole idea of making it like something that Southern folks can relate to, that was just brilliant. So good job. I'm not shocked, but I bet it did feel good to have other people questioning where it came from, especially if you did it yourself. <laughs> like, yeah, I did it. Yeah, it's awesome. So good for you. The thing is, listen, there's an underlying level of classism mm-hmm. and racism yeah. in those comments. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be clear about oh, yeah. that. Yeah. So if I'm out and I am the person that's doing it and they're coming up like, where did you get this? Mm-hmm. The implication is I'm not smart enough, capable enough to do this on my own. Mm-hmm. 
So I want to be clear about that part. The classism, racism, and sexism that I have dealt with from day one has always permeated throughout the country. Absolutely. The second thing is there were some other Southern-themed candle companies out there, and they had candles like Antebellum Plantation. And I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. Okay. So let me throw a little bit of this black girl magic on there <laughs> and kick everything up a notch. Okay, I love that. To include the scent selection. We're going to add a little bit more fragrance mm-hmm. to make them a little bit more fragrant. Mm-hmm. We're going to make our packaging a little bit more because we always throw, you know, black women, we love to add a little bit of extra. Absolutely. So when you walk in the store and you see my stuff on the shelf, it looks different than yep. everything else that is on the shelf. Absolutely. Then when you smell it, it's a little bit more fragrant. Mm-hmm. So it has just that little bit extra that we <laughs> like to sprinkle on things. Absolutely. And that's what really separated us from everybody else. And you see how well that's working? Like, just wonderfully. It's like they didn't even know they needed it until they smelled it and then didn't want to put it down and had to buy some more and tell their people about it. I love it. I do. Listen, ain't that what we do with everything? We'll take something and it'll be so basic. And by the time we finish wrapping that thing up with this black girl magic and sprinkling our little special brown sugar on it, it'll be something totally different. It'll be like, where did this come from? And I didn't know I loved it. Yes, honey. Take a little bit more of right. So at this time, we'd like to give a special shout out to our title sponsor, Pump 5 Fuel Delivery Service, for delivering quality car service directly to our members. Our members don't go to the gas station. Our members don't have to worry about taking their car to have it detailed and leaving it there all day. And our members also don't have to worry about having to plan a special trip in their busy lives just to go and have their tires taken care of. They use our company app to schedule all those services at their convenience, and our specially trained providers will bring those services directly to their car. We deliver gas on-site, we provide tire service on-site, and we also provide auto detailing at our members' convenience. So, how does your life look? Do you have any extra time specifically to set aside for anything extra that also includes having your car taken care of? Our Pump 5 members don't, and they don't have to. So be sure to look into Pump 5. That's www.pump5.com. That's P-U-M-P-F-I-V-E.com. So our service providers can deliver our services directly to your car. Pump 5 is recorded and produced by our friends at Podcast Town. That is www.podcasttown.com. Be sure to check them out for all your podcasting needs. Thank you very much. So when people look at your business and they look at what you have done, I think overall, like you said, there's just the underlying racism there. Like at what point did you realize that you definitely had the right to have the audacity to think that you could launch and build a million dollar business? Because I think other folks don't even realize what they say. Let me just stop you right there. First couple of years, I ain't thinking. I did not think. I had no idea. All I really? wanted to do I kid you not. All I wanted to do was make $50,000 a month. That's all I wanted in sales and have a couple of employees. That is all that I wanted. Sure, that's and I significant. thought that I would have made it. $50,000, that's $600,000 a year. Like, what? Oh, my God. I thought that that would have been the epitome of success. <laughs> and then I went to the Goldman Sachs 10,000 business program. It's mm-hmm. sponsored by Goldman Sachs where mm-hmm. they take small businesses and they mentor you for 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And so I remember talking to my mentor and he was like, you didn't meet all of the qualifications to be in this program, but they must have seen something in you or your company and they let you in. They Take advantage of the opportunity. Huh. And I was like, okay. How do you get to be my mentor? 
listen, mentors need to tell you the truth. Mentors need to tell you the truth. And he told me the truth. And so I don't have any problem with the truth. So, and I love that dude. I love him to this day. I can email him. But anyway, I was in this class with these people. And I'm not talking about the people in my class, but I was looking around. I was like, they ain't smarter than me. They are not working harder than me. Some of these people were handed businesses by their mamas and their daddies, and they just happened to be in this role. And these jokers are not that damn bright. And so I'm in the room, and I'm just like, Running my million dollar company, and I'm sitting around wondering if I can do it. Right, exactly, exactly. What? <laughs> so that was the first time I was like, "Oh, okay, if they can do it, I can do <laughs> yep, it." Yep, exactly. Like, oh my god, my numbers are way too small. Good so for you. after that, they were asking what I did, and I was like, "Oh, I have the seven things." Sure. And they were like, "Oh, you need to market to more people," and I was like, "I've never been to California." I don't know anything about California. All I can talk about is what I know. And that's growing up barefoot, dirt roads. I worked in the field as a kid, like Southern agriculture, like grandma, great grandma, helping right. Like, what are you people even talking They were livid, 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 livid that I would not include them. And I was like, oh, if my brand is creating this type of passion. Right. That's a strong response. I'm going to double down on it yep. and I'm going to focus on my Southern Bell and either you get it or you don't. And if you don't, I don't care. And that I don't care part. Oh man, they were hot. Like you should care. And I was like, I don't. <laughs> She's like, I don't. And the people at my table happened to be from Atlanta. So we sitting over there laughing because we had like this little girls club over there talking about grits and people don't even know what grits are. I was like, oh, honey, this is going to be a winning formula right here. Because either you get the Southern Ooh. culture or you don't. I love it. And if you don't, you want to be a part of it. You want to be a part. You want to know what's the inside joke? What's Liverpool? What is that? You want to know. So then we started talking about money, the financial day. And some of these other people were talking about numbers. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. So I sat down. I had a friend of mine. He was like, I told you. You're playing too small. You need to get out of your way. You have a company that you can really play. You can make a difference. That was in 2019. I left there with a plan. I said, I got a 10-year plan to have a $100 million valuation for my company. Ooh, I love it. Now, that was just a random-ass number that I pulled out the air. Let's be clear about that part. I ain't never think that that was real. It's a good number. I say, hang on to it. Last year, we did over a million dollars in sales. That's awesome. So I went from doing $200,000 a year to a million a year. So I grew 5X. This year, we're going to do somewhere between 2 and $5 million, depending on how I'm able to manage the growth. We just signed the paperwork on a $1.5 million production space um, that we're going to be moving into. Like, when I tell you I started off playing way, 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 way too small. $50,000 is what we do in a week now. And I wanted to do that in a month before. I mean, and when real key candle season hit, we do that in a few days. We might do that in a weekend. So I just had play. Oh, my God. We play way, way, way too small. Black women in particular. We are used to being the mule. We are used to doing the work and not getting the credit and not getting the pay. 
But when you start working for yourself, the market will determine your worth every single time. And with social media, you get to cut out all of those gatekeepers and you can go direct to your consumer. You can create a product however you want to do it. And people will find you they will. because of the market. Yep. We live in a capitalistic society. The market will determine your work. Yep. So when I figured that out, I started raising my prices. <laughs> Good. Absolutely. Until I got pushed back. And I was like, oh, well, this is what the market has determined that we are worth. Mm-hmm. So, honey, yeah, way too small. And we need to think way bigger. I love it. And that leads directly into my next question. So what would you say... To the woman right now who's going to work, working 40, 50 hours a week. She's not seeing her kids. She can't stand her life. What do you wish somebody had said to you? She's got all this stuff that she's been planning that she wants to do. She's just right there. What would have mattered to you? What do you think you needed to hear to get the kick in the tush that you needed to keep moving? Okay, first off, there is nothing that anybody can say to anybody to make them do it. There is nothing that anybody could have said to me to make me jump. There's nothing. All I was able to do is see people succeeding. And that put a little seed in me. And after I saw so many people just doing it, doing it, doing it. If you don't have the belief in you to quit your job and bet on yourself, there is nothing that anybody can tell you that will convince you to do that. You will work 50, 60 hours for somebody else because you just don't believe in yourself. So until any person has that strong belief that I am, listen, I grew up poor. So being poor ain't nothing but a thing to me. Like if I had to eat uh, chicken, rice, potatoes, and green beans every day, like I could do it. If I had to like figure out how to take a hundred dollars and eat for, hell, I might be able to figure out how to eat a month because I'm going to cook some beans, some rice, some chicken. I got crock pots, like spaghetti. Like I know how to do this, being poor. So being poor never scared me, which is what most people are scared of. How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to do X, Y, Z, whatever that X, Y, Z is? Money never motivated me. So it didn't motivate me to keep a job and it doesn't motivate me now to grow the company. Money is not my motivation. I need money to grow the company, but it's not what drives me. If you don't have something in you, it don't matter what anybody else comes and says to you. So I see it all the time. Like people want to do it the easy way. They want to drop shift. Okay, drop shipping is like creating a website and then you don't do anything. If you're one of those people that don't want to do anything, you don't want to work, you don't believe in yourself, you're not willing to take the risk, it doesn't matter what anybody says. When I got to that point where I was like, I looked around and I was like, I hate all these people, there wasn't anything that anybody needed to say to me. I was done. What I needed after I got done was how to do the next thing that I wanted to do. I hired mentors, I hired coaches, I studied Google, YouTube, I read books. I did whatever I needed to do to move forward, but nobody pushed me. Nobody encouraged me to quit. I was just done with that part of my life. Now, when you get to that point and you think that you're done with one part of your life, honey, you don't know. You're done with everything in your life. Because when I got sick of them people at work, I almost said customers, I'm going to call them MFers. When I got sick of them people at work, I got sick of people in my personal life. I got sick of uh, friends, family. I made a rule. I said, if you are in my life and you are showing up to my table with anything other than love, encouragement, and support, don't call me no more. Don't talk to me. I have zero energy for those people. And so that changed a whole lot of stuff to include (laughs) my marriage. I said, we'll talk about that. He had to go too. He wasn't showing up with love, support, and encouragement. 
So, honey, I had to let him go too because I 100% believed in myself. I didn't need any encouragement from anybody outside. I still don't need encouragement from anybody on the outside. Nobody has to call me and tell me good job because I can walk out on the floor and see 30 freaking people that I have employed and I am responsible for. I don't need outside validation. I can look at my numbers. I can pull up my sales for this month and be like, oh, I am doing good. I don't need somebody, my CFO, to come in and be like, oh, look at you. No. Yeah, look at me. Right. You don't have to add to it, but you can't take away from it either. So I completely understand. At this point, I've done the work. Good for you. So do you have people in your space that are calling your change of heart a midlife crisis? Because that's what I keep hearing whenever I discuss or whenever I explain the podcast. Who cares? I don't care what they call it. I do not care what they call it. Call it whatever you want to call it. What you calling it is you driving into a job that you hate right. while I'm living my best life. So Absolutely. you can call it a midlife crisis if you want to. But I am living my best life. I am ecstatic. I wake up happy every single day. Right. So this is what a midlife crisis will get you. Some of y'all need to experience the same thing. Because when I tell you life is fabulous at 50, honey, I could not have envisioned this. I could not have envisioned this. I didn't even know this existed. So I absolutely do not care what people think. I really don't. See, I don't care either. It's just interesting to me that it's described as a crisis. I'm like, no, this feels too good to be a crisis. Like, this has to be an awakening or something. Like, this is something we need to be celebrating. It's a crisis for the patriarchy. Well, yeah. Because now I'm 100% independent from anybody. I control everything. I don't need anybody for anything in particular. I have a company, so I need people to buy, like, on that level. But in terms of gatekeepers, I don't need nobody to sign for what I need. I'm just an independent black woman running a multi-million dollar company. And that in itself challenges all of society's norms, every single one of them. So it's a crisis for certain people. It is a midlife crisis for certain people. It's a midlife crisis for men that want to control women. It's a midlife crisis for corporate America that want to control their employees. It's a midlife crisis for women that want to be dependent on a man. It's a midlife crisis for a lot of people because my success sometimes is a reflection of their failures. Right. Yeah, that's exactly true. So then what do you do when you run out of answers? Like as somebody who's the boss, like you said, you got 30 people out there who you employ, even the CFO. You don't need them to validate you because you're paying them. But I mean, so what do you do when you run out of answers? Like, do you still run out of answers? Are you still at the point where you're like, okay, now what? Listen, there's no such thing as running out of answers. There's no such thing as running out of answers. Okay. Now, the answers that we choose may not be the best answer, mm-hmm. like, and then we learn. So okay. if we choose something and they just flip the breaker, they're going to have to figure it out and turn them all back on. That's fine. If we choose something and it's a bad decision, then we learn from it. That's it. Okay. I like it. So there are always answers. It's just, are you going to learn from your bad mistakes or not? When things are going good, there's no beauty without struggle. Because if you're not struggling, you're not growing. So if you're doing the same thing every day and life is smooth and easy and nobody has any aches, what are you really doing? Right. I agree. I like it. Okay. So then my next questions for you are about self-care. So what do you do for self-care? Is that something you feel like that's a priority right now? Do you just Squeeze it in when you get a chance. How do you live your life in a way? You said when you wake up in the morning, you're smiling. What makes that happen? There is no self-care. 
I'm not even going to lie. And most people would high achievement of people, myself here is coming in and being successful, being number one and crushing the competition and doing things that nobody thought was possible. That's my self-care. So I have worked till I passed out literally on the floor and my employees were looking at me like, are you okay? And I'm like, don't call the ambulance. When I come to, I'll be fine. And then I came to and I went back to work and they were looking at me like, this is not healthy or normal. Okay, we got to talk about that, but we don't have to talk about it now. We got to work that into life. <laughs> like you said, you the boss. We can't be passing out on the floor. When you are a high achiever, yeah, like, that's what that's you true. do. You have to schedule. So I stopped working on the weekends. That's my self-care. That is a step in the right direction. Good for you. Like, do you really not work? Like, not check your email, nothing not work, or just less work? Like, what do you mean by stop working? Less work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, baby steps. Baby steps, that's a start. I do less work on the weekend. We'll take it. Look, that's a solid win. So then at the end, did you have anything else that you wanted to add for the listeners? Anything else that they may not have heard or something that you know folks need to hear or something that you may have needed to hear at any point in this journey? All I know is I'm living my best life right now at 50. I tell people all the time, there are no rules. You are told that there are rules and then you try to follow those rules and you're miserable. When you break every single rule and then you really see like how other people are living, it's going to piss you off, quite frankly. There are no rules. There really are no rules. Now, there are laws, so if you break them laws, you're going to go to jail. But in terms of rules and expectations, honey, I have found nothing that I believe, nothing that I believe was true. Nothing, not one thing. When my marriage broke up, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a lonely old lady with, with my cat. I ain't even going to talk about my state in life because I'm enjoying life. <laughs> Good oh, for you. Oh, you're not going to be able to find another black male. What? They're everywhere. You can find them. You're not going to be able to build a company because you don't know what you're doing. Building a company. Like, I got a 10-year-old at 50. Other people got grandkids my age. Like, nothing, nothing, nothing that you believe is true. If you believe it, then it is true for you. I refuse to believe any of the rules that society has set for me as a black woman living in the South. I don't believe any of them anymore. I believe that the sky is the freaking limit and that's what I'm shooting for. And it should be. I wanted to let you know, I love watching your success. Like even when I was researching you and like researching your company, it was such a delight to see another black woman working and building a business and launching it and succeeding. Um, I just launched a business myself a few years ago, so nobody else appreciates the journey other than other folks that are actually in the grind. So I will be very, very excited to be able to show this to other women and be like, see how we can do it. You know what I mean? It's being done, so we can do it. Yes, thank you. No, thank you, for real. One of the things that struck me was watching your video where you were showing like how to make the candles, and you were stirring the wax, and then y'all were pouring it into the different jars it like took my breath away to see hands that look like mine. And I don't know if that's like that big a deal to most folks that aren't women of color because we get so used to seeing other hands. And even like when our nails are done and when, you know what I mean? And the hands are all perfectly coiffed or whatever. It's still something different to look down and see a brown hand doing something beautiful and making something and creating it and then succeeding to the level that you have. So you keep it up. It's been awesome and life-changing. And I'm just going to have to claim you as my friend. We got to be friends from now on because you are too much fun. <laughs> but thank you. Keep it up. Keep going. Keep succeeding. And thank you so much for being able to be so inspiring. 
but inspiring on a plain old everyday hard work and make it happen. Go up in there sprinkling black girl magic all over it and just succeeding beyond <laughs> even what you expected this. So you worked that out. Good job. Thank you so much. Before we sign off, I do want to have you let everybody know where can people find you? We'll have them in the show notes, but did you want to let folks know like where they can find you if they have questions or if they're interested in purchasing candles, which are awesome, y'all. By the way, she's got candles. And for those of you that don't like candles, she also offers room sprays. I got kids. I worry about my kids and open flames, but you can do the room spray. That's not something that you got to worry about your kids or your dog knocking over. So where can people find you? At this point, I love being able to say, Google me. <laughs> you should. Y'all Google her, Google for real. You should. Google me, Deshaun Rothstone, <laughs> Southern Elegance Candle Company. We are going to be number one because we have to work hard on that. Own it. Own so it. Southern Elegance Candle Company or Deshaun Russell, like just Google us. That's the easiest thing to do and you will find us. I love it. And so I know you also have Facebook. We got you on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So be sure to look her up. And it's D apostrophe Sean, y'all. D apostrophe S-H-A-W-N, yes. Russell. That's all I got. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we end it? I think that's it. I think we covered a good little portion for people that are a little bit older and wondering what to do with their life and if they should take that risk. And honestly, it's funny because it don't feel old anymore. Remember when 40 felt old? And now I feel like, what was I thinking? Because it ain't <laughs> like I'm all it's still in there. It don't even feel old no mm-hmm. more. I love it, especially for women. So let's do it. So thank y'all again for listening. I am Talithia Thompson, a mom, a grandma, a serial entrepreneur, just doing my best to make this next chapter of my life the best chapter of my life on purpose. 